this episode of Riding the 3x3, flying solo on an end of week edition. Gonna have to make some serious changes to the schedule, and we will get into reasoning why after we open up lane number one. Gonna be a three-lane, two-sport topic session today on Riding the 3x3. We got the first half and second portion of the show going towards NBA free agency. Haven't been able to get my thoughts in on all of the moves. I'll go ahead and give some winners and losers overarching thoughts from the entire just rampant week of signings that we have just gone through here sitting at August 6th in the great, great part of the NBA calendar, getting to all that. And then we have title favorites after free agency. I'll go ahead and give my opinion on who I have at the top of the list in terms of teams that can get to the NBA Finals once again or for the first time maybe as we had in the previous portion of the playoffs this year. And then NFL camp, no, we're not talking about NFL camp. We're talking about another type of football, Lionel Messi. Dominating storylines this week. He is on his way out from Barcelona. Knock on wood, he's supposed to be on his way out from Barcelona. You never know with the ownership group there in La Liga and Barca, but we'll get into that whole situation and where he might be headed to close out the show. Let's get in the lane, number one. Cruising in the lane number one here on riding the three by three. And sorry, I'm sorry, people. The schedule has been all out of whack this week. Usually we got these episodes posted by about 1 p.m. on Friday afternoons. And the dulcet tones of my co-host Patrick Fetch are usually gracing us here. But it's been a week of change for your man, Russ Heltman. Got a new job, crazy hours. I am chock full, busy all the time. And the things that pay the bills the most have to take precedent when that happens. And unfortunately for this beautiful podcast, it does not pay many bills. But we got to keep it cooking because maybe one day it will be paying a lot of bills. And some teams that are having major bills to pay in the first week of free agency, the likes of the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks, the Miami Heat, all of them bolstering their squads and trying to make their teams better as they look towards the future and 2022. NBA free agency, we're going to start off with my best signing, my worst signing, winner of free agency, and then uh, a little a little back half second portion, lane number two, we got the sneaky underrated signings, because I think both of these players are going to be just as impactful in their new locales, and then my title favorites on each side of the NBA bracket, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, I'll go ahead and give those to close out lane number two. And then we are closing the show with Lionel Messi on his way out of Barcelona, reportedly due to financial issues amongst the club leaders and the issues with the La Liga spending caps. He might be headed to England, might be headed to France. We shall find out what is going on in Lionel Messi world as the international soccer world gets ready to kick off their opening seasons in just about a week's time on August 13th. But... A team and league that is months away, still months away from getting the 2022, or excuse me, 2021-2022 NBA season tipped off, starting with the best signing of NBA free agency. I'm going to go with Lonzo Ball here. Lonzo Ball, to me, is the number one signing and the best value I think we're going to look at amongst all these players 
for four to five years down the line. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, Kawhi Leonard sticking with the L.A. Clippers, or, or except that might actually be a, a total albatross in terms of his injury history once we get to the latter portion of that contract. Or a Kevin Durant who just re-upped for four years, $198 million with the Brooklyn Nets. All those Houston Rockets fans telling me those picks are going to be so valuable. Really? How valuable are they going to be when Kevin Durant is still on the team in, what, 2027? Yeah, good luck with that, Houston as they try to get off the mat and did not make many signings themselves in this free agency period, probably rightly knowing that they're headed for the NBA Western Conference basement once again. But Lonzo Ball trying to bring the Bulls out of the Eastern Conference basement. I think this is a great pairing next to Zach Levine. He's a type of guard that can not only facilitate in the half court, but he doesn't demand the basketball all like at a, at a league high or near league high rate. He's more of a mid-tier type of ball handling uh, pressure guy. Can switch and swap in terms of those duties with Zach Levine all the time. And I loved what I saw out of him. A high volume three-point shooter. I believe he was over seven attempts per game last year with the New Orleans Pelicans. Hit him at a 37.8% clip. Only at 31.5% in his first two years with the Los Angeles Lakers. So he's going to be able to spread the floor. I love his off-ball defense. I love the way he can can kind of connect the team on that end of the floor. So to me, Lonzo Ball at four years, $85 million. That's got to be the best contract handed out in this entire free agency period. And it's a uh, match that we've been waiting on to be made in heaven for the past two years because it seems like it's been since I was in I was a senior in college two years ago that Lonzo Ball was first starting to get his name tossed out there amongst guys that could be in a Chicago Bulls uniform very, very soon. But I love love it. 21.25 million, 23 years old, still an ascending player. I love the upside. And when you think about guys in his same position that got relatively the same amount of money in Evan Fournier at four years, $78 million, and then Tim Hardaway at $18.5 million per year, I would take Lonzo Ball in a heartbeat over those players. Maybe a little bit closer there with Tim Hardaway Jr., seeing as his flamethrower ability matches very well with Luka Doncic. But if you put Lonzo Ball on that Denver or the Dallas Mavericks team, I think he fits just as seamlessly, and it's because of what I mentioned at the top. Does not demand the ball, can impact the game in so many different ways, and that's why I got Lonzo Ball as the best contract given out, big contract given out in this free agency period. The worst contract, though, we're sticking with the same exact team here. I got to go with uh, the DeMar DeRozan deal handed out to the aging shooting guard from the Chicago Bulls. Three years, $85 million, as if as they just gave Lonzo Ball four years at the same number. I just, I, I don't understand it. DeMar DeRozan, I get it. Like, he's a good facilitator. He had 6.9 assists last year. That was 11th in the league. It was his best assist-to-turnover ratio of his entire career. But 31 years old, how well is this contract going to age? And that being the biggest gripe, if you're a Chicago Bulls fan right now, you're thinking, all right, well, I don't really care how that contract ages because I'm sick of this team being so bad and being so useless to watch over the past four to five years. I just want to get in the playoffs now. But the fact that they also had to give up Alpha, or excuse me, had to give up Thaddeus Young in this deal as well. He was one of their biggest and key contributors in terms of a role player role last year for the Chicago Bulls. That hurts uh, big time in terms of the sign and trade deal with the San Antonio Spurs. And I just I think they are overpaying for not only Demar Derozan here, but they had to take back the contract of Alpha Rukamino 
who is making ten $10 million next year, only averaged 4.4 points in 2020, had an 8.89 PER. And for any player that's 6'6 or above to have a PER below 10, that means you are really, really not impacting the game in any meaningful manner. So DeMar DeRozan, hands down to me, is uh, is the the biggest miss, the biggest whiff of a contract handed out. Now, if it would have been four for 85, maybe, maybe. I think DeMar DeRozan's right around a $20 million player, but to hand him that much money, almost $30 million over three years, that is a lot of cheddar, especially when you think about having to pay Zach Levine next year. This is now a Chicago Bulls roster that over the next two seasons, especially with that DeMar DeRozan deal being guaranteed in the third year, is completely locked in. And I believe locked into what is most likely going to be a five, sixth, seventh seed type of battle with them probably sneaking past the play-in game, which that should be the expectation with how much talent is on this roster, especially offensively now for the Bulls. But where are you going? Where are you going as one of the top five media markets in the entire country, a team that really hasn't been relevant since the Michael Jordan era, had a couple years there with the MVP run out of Derrick Rose. But man, I, 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 I can understand it to a degree, but the financial decision behind it, the players you got back and the player you had to give up behind it, all of that rolled into a ball makes it a very, very difficult decision to ultimately push through if I was a front office member for the Chicago Bulls. So those are my two worst and best signings of the free agency period. Number one, Lonzo Ball, best signing, three for 85. Excuse me, four for 85. Worst signing, DeMar DeRozan at three for 85. Just a lot of cheddar for that player. Let's get into some free agency winners. And we got to start with the Miami Heat. I, I think they are a winner here. They bolstered their identity. They bolstered their defensive acumen. They bolstered their toughness, their gritty attitude. And they're going to be that team in the East that can maybe take out one of the contenders and make some noise. But I prefaced this in my tweet on uh, on Tuesday. I think they're a winner, but I don't know how much the, the, the Heat really moved the needle here. They re-signed Junkin Robinson to five-year $90 million contract. They gave P.J. Tucker a big old fat deal. They re-signed Jimmy Butler to a contract that, when he is age 36, will pay the man $50 million. And all this, I think, because Pat Riley is nearing the age of 80. He doesn't really care how much Jimmy Butler's making in five years. He wants to see Jimmy Butler back in that NBA Finals spotlight. And if everything breaks right, especially when you think about Kyle Lowry coming over in a sign-and-trade deal with the, uh, with the Toronto Raptors, then this is a team that could catch one of those top two seeds in the second round on a, on a, on a seven-game series. It could happen. But how much better are they than even the Atlanta Hawks in their own division who just went to the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, have one of the best young cores in the league, an ascending talent in Trey Young, an ascending forward wing player in DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish, if he could stay healthy, showed a lot of great chops in his uh, limited Eastern Conference Finals stint against the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think the, the, the Hawks are the exact opposite of the Miami Heat team that did win this free agency period. They got better, but they're very, very old. They're very top-heavy, and they're a team that, after giving out $2 billion worth of contracts, is relying on a a core that is deep into their mid-30s. We saw P.J. Tucker hit, I think, 19 threes in the entire playoffs last year, I think it was. like He is a guy that people like to think as a 3-and-D corner threat, but is really just a 
so-so D threat. Like People were boosting up P.J. Tucker for what he did against Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant literally averaged 30 points against him, almost carried the Brooklyn Nets on his back against P.J. Tucker as the primary defender, and people were acting like P.J. Tucker shut him down. It was the same narrative we got with Andre Iguodala, who just re-signed with the Golden State Warriors today, and his NBA Finals MVP uh, run against LeBron James, who I believe averaged like a triple-double in that NBA Finals and was being talked about as maybe the first player since Jerry West to win the NBA Finals MVP that year on a losing team. So it's the same kind of narrative for me. I do think the Heat improved, but... Once again, are they better than the Hawks going into next year? I am not so sure that they are, especially with Kyle Lowry, how much punishment he takes and how crucial he's going to be for this roster. At 35 years old, going to be 36 once the playoffs hit next year, Kyle Lowry has to get that PER up above 20. He needs to be a 20 points per game scorer, and he's going to have to be the engine and the fulcrum and the guy making the biggest shots down the stretch, in my opinion, for this Miami Heat team because Jimmy Butler, that guy still can't stretch the floor. Yes, he can hit the free throws. Yes, he can hit those mid-range jump shots. But overall, once you get to that nitty-gritty time, I do believe Kyle Lowry is going to have to be that guy for this Miami Heat team. He's proven it before. He's, he's answered the bell in playoff runs of past, and we'll see if he's still got it in the tank. But I got Miami. Despite maybe not cracking that top three, top two tier in the East, being a very improved team, and then also a team that might be might be making some noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I'm, I like the roster that the Washington Wizards have put together. They've added a lot of depth. Through the Russell Westbrook trade, they get off that contract, bring in Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, one of the better 3 and D players in the entire league. People love to rip on him, which I don't really understand. You go back to that NBA Finals run two years ago by the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and KCP. Those were the three best players on that team. Yes, Rondo got all the love, but the guy making the shots and playing major defensive pressure on the other end of the floor was Contavious Caldwell Pope. So I like that addition. Montrez Harrell's going to be able to eat minutes in the regular season. Not necessarily a great guy in the playoffs to have, but they got enough depth to be able to hide him. Aaron Holiday is a solid point guard that can play alongside Russell Westbrook. Kyle Kuzma is a solid defender. Lakers fans and the NBA basketball world at large is going to realize how important he was to that Lakers team when they see this defense over the first couple months of the year for the Lake Show trying to get together after they basically wiped the slate clean from their roster that won an NBA title two years ago. So you get off of Russell Westbrook, you bring in Spencer Dinwiddie, who I think is going to be forgotten having had that torn ACL last year, but he was the fulcrum and the real spark plug for those gritty Brooklyn Nets teams under Kenny Atkinson that were, I think, the reasoning, part of the reasoning why the uh, the Death Star, the Empire Strikes Back type of feel we have from Brooklyn is what it is today with KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all there now. Washington Wizards, I think, are firmly, I would say, a top seven team in the East. I probably, I'm, I, I'm not going to do my my predictions until about a couple weeks before the season, but I'll probably have them sitting there, right in that five, six, seven range. Probably leaning more towards seven on the Washington Wizards end of the spectrum. But I like the depth. I love Bradley Beal, and I love how they gave themselves some flexibility this offseason. So to me, I, I like the Wizards and the Miami Heat as the biggest winners of free agency here. Moving into lane number two, a couple of sneaky, underrated signings that I really liked out of this free agency period. Didn't get all the headlines, didn't get all of the love. 
and we're going to probably go with uh, go with three signings here. Number one, Patty Mills at $12 million for the Brooklyn Nets. This is a guy who has the NBA championship experience on the Spurs. He can be that calming presence as the backup point guard, the guy that if Kyrie Irving goes AWOL in the middle of the season for 10 games like he's wont to do, if James Harden's hamstring issues start to become a chronic thing, Patty Mills can step in and kind of plug the holes there and be a, a little bit of a better option than a Bruce Brown or a Landry Shamit, who is uh, the guy they kind of replaced him with, Landry Shamit with, as, uh, I mean, in Patty Mills. So give me, give me Patty Mills as a strong veteran presence that can be a great bench piece as a sixth, seventh man for the Brooklyn Nets who have Blake Griffin there on a minimum deal. They got a couple strong gunners and or one good strong gunner out of the draft and Cam Thomas from LSU. Dayron Sharp is an emerging kind of tweener big that they got in the draft that could maybe be a solid player. Nicholas Claxton flashed very well last year. This Brooklyn Nets team is plus 220 at this point in the NBA calendar to win next year's title for a reason. And it's because they got three of the top 10 players in the league and also a pretty decent bench to go along with it. It's a hell of a job done by Sean Marks, the GM of that team. My next sneaky good fit here has got to be Otto Porter Jr. Signing for the minimum with the Golden State Warriors. This guy has been forgotten about. He's been passed around because his contract was a complete albatross that he signed uh, I think four years ago with the Washington Wizards. But... He's basically one year removed from shooting 40% on almost four triple attempts a game with the Chicago Bulls. He's a long wing, 6'8", 198 pounds, just 28 years old. I really like his ability to add some key, key depth to this Warriors bench. And they're going to be a very scary, interesting squad if Klay Thompson comes back as the normal Klay Thompson, which you can't. I don't think necessarily bank on right now, but I might be banking on it as we get to a latter portion of this show after he has been missing for two years. But Porter can stay healthy. He's played just 42 games the past two seasons. That's another key player that needs to uh, to to work on his health a little bit in Nicholas Porter. But I, I think he's a solid two-way player, can play both ends of the floor, uh, can go power forward in that uh, lineup of death with Draymond Green at center. They also brought in Andre Iguodala this week on a minimum deal, it looks like. So solid, solid work by the Golden State Warriors to re-up and re-energize their team for a no hopefully another title run for them with the Steph Curry-led contingent. My third number one pick for best sneaky signing, Reggie Bullock, the flame-throwing three-point shooter for the New York Knicks last year. Averaged 11 points per game. Was a very, very solid player. 44% from the field. 41% overall from three. 11 points per game, like I mentioned. One and a half assists. 3.4 rebounds. Going to fit in beautifully next to Luka Doncic. They basically took Josh Richardson, who shot 33% uh, of his threes on, th on threes last year, with Reggie Bullock, who's a 39% career three-point shooter. Hit 41% like I mentioned last year, can play solid defense, fit in perfectly with that grit and grind type of smash you out um, Tom Thibodeau system last year with the New York Knicks. And at $10 million a year, this is a steal. This is a type of player, a 3 and D player that usually gets 15 to $18 million on an overpay. He saw the likes of Luka Doncic out there and said, yeah, I'll go ahead and trade Julius Randle in for Luka Doncic. So I love that fit of Reggie Bullock on the Dallas Mavericks 
who were not able to land their white whale in Kyle Lowry. That would have been the biggest win. They would have been the most improved team in free agency in my mind had they gotten that secondary ball handler that can take the pressure off of Luka Doncic early on in game, take the pressure off of him early on in games so that he's not tired and worn out like we saw him so often be at the end of last season once you get to that all-important crunch time in the fourth quarter, maybe surrounding him with some, with some more shooting, some guys that can knock down more shots as opposed to bricking them like Josh Richardson. And you won't have to uh, battle and fight it out in as many tight fourth quarters. Reggie Bullock, Patty Mills, and Otto Porter Jr. are my sneaky underrated signings. And title favorites to close out this portion of the show after free agency. Let's go ahead and look at the DraftKings odds here. We got the Brooklyn Nets, the LA Lakers sitting at plus 220 and plus 380 respectively. And we got the Golden State Warriors at 8-1, to one, the Milwaukee Bucks at 9-1. to one. Spoiler alert, the Eastern Conference, it is a Brooklyn Nets world and we are all just living in it. If those three players, big if, because it did not happen last year, only KD was basically remaining and the one-legged whatever ghost of James Harden we got in the back half of that series against the uh, the... Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't have their whole their whole team last year for the NBA playoffs. If they have all three of those guys, I don't care who else is with them. I don't care if I'm if I get called up to be the eleventh man at one point in the season next year. They're going to win the NBA title. It is a foregone conclusion. We are entering another one of those seasons where the overwhelming favorite is and should be the Death Star parked at Barclays Center in the Eastern Conference. So the Brooklyn Nets are unequivocally. The odds-on favorite to win the title. They are my number one favorite to win the title. I had them as the favorite last year, pretty unequivocally in my mind. And that was even before they got James Harden, as I put them uh, as the title winners in the the first couple weeks of the preseason. But out West, I'm going to shock some people here. I need the Lakers to prove to me they can play some defense. I need the Lakers to prove to me that this old man crew they have uh, assembled. Yeah, assembled. And this, uh, this rerun of the 2012 Olympic team is actually going to be able to play defense at a high level throughout the season, not only, but also in the playoffs. I, I liked what they did. I liked adding shooting around LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook, but they added zero defense. You lose your three best off-ball defenders outside of LeBron and AD and Alex Caruso, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma. Like I said, people are going to quickly realize how much those three players did night in and night out to keep this defense and Frank Vogel's system connected. And I got the Lakers one team behind the Golden State Warriors. I still think they're going to be a top three seed in the West, but give me Golden State. Give me the continuity. Give me the slight tweaks here and there. You swap out Kelly Oubre for Otto Porter Jr. in a backup role. You get Klay Thompson in, and that's my big thing here is I'm banking on Klay Thompson being that dude, being that guy, coming back and being a high-value player. I think he will be. I believe in this trio still. I believe in the continuity there in Golden State, and I have them as my number one favorite in the Western Conference, bucking the trend with everybody loving Lake Show. And to me, it's just too many question marks around this L.A. Lakers team in terms of overall roster fit, in terms of overall defensive acumen. I got them slightly behind the Golden State Warriors who are sitting there at 8-1. to one. I don't think either team has value right now. And, and from what I've seen, DraftKings has the best odds on title teams right now. With the Bucks sitting there at 9-1, to one, you got the Jazz. Like, the Jazz at 16-1? to one? What the hell are we doing? The Jazz at 16-1? to one? 
They're, they're never going to win an NBA title with Rudy Gobert as one of their marquee players. Like, to get, get that out of my face. They might as well be 160 to 1, and I still wouldn't bet on it. Phoenix Suns at 16 to 1. The Nuggets sitting there at 22 to 1. If they get Jamal Murray back at full strength by March, look out. Look out. They were my pick last year. I think they would have won the title if Jamal Murray had stayed healthy throughout the entire calendar year. Unfortunately, goes down on that stupid late game layup that made no difference to the actual game that was being played that night and made all the difference to the Western Conference title race, in my opinion. And that's why I got the Nuggets as one of my sneaky, sneaky teams. Also, like the Hawks at 35-1. to 1? You're telling me the Hawks should be 20 odds lower than the Utah Jazz? What are we doing here? What are the Jazz? How much better are the Jazz going to get outside of Donovan Mitchell? I don't think that much better. So there you go. Atlanta Hawks might be a sneaky one there at thirty-five to one, and the Celtics—they still have two top twenty players on their roster at fifty to one. Could be worth a shot. Have made the Eastern Conference playoffs three of the past five seasons, and a team trying to hold on, or was trying to hold on to their number one playoff creator, their number one European. Champions League score. Their number one La Liga player, Lionel Messi and Barcelona. It appears he is going to be on his way out very soon. We got reports of him going to Manchester City, PSG, maybe Chelsea. I am going to be waiting on pins and needles to see what happens with our guy Lionel Messi as uh, Manchester City may have jumped the gun a little bit by agreeing to a 100 million pound transfer of the Aston Villa midfielder, Jack Grealish. They're also trying to get Harry Kane from Tottenham as well. So might be too pretty of a penny to try to bring Lionel Messi in on a new contract, although it would be a free transfer because of the just brutal financial situation rocking Barcelona right now. But Pep Guardiola, the manager of Manchester City, said, quote, absolutely, Lionel Messi is not in the club's thoughts. Uh, His other options, though, appear to be Paris Saint-Germain, who has also brought in free transfers from Giorgio Ramos, the rival uh, Real Madrid player with Messi over the years, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who was the lights-out goalkeeper for the Italian national team this year. I believe he won uh, one player of the tournament at the Euro 2020. And then Jorginho Wijnaldum. Like, this is just a murderer's row, man. Akraf Hakimi. And they still got to sign Kylian Mbappe to a new contract, so... A lot, of, a lot of cheddar beans thrown around by Parrish St. Germain. And we had a late report today out of AS that Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich has requested an urgent meeting with Messi's representatives and he wants to sign the Argentine. How about that? Lionel Messi feeding Christian Pulisic. Whew! A man can dream. A man can dream. And that's been a dream-like session of riding the 3x3. Quick show, sub-30 minutes. Got a lot to do. Got a lot more to do on this Friday. But we had to squeeze in a show. Had to squeeze in an episode this week for the people. For Patrick Fetch, hopefully get him back on the program very soon. We're going to hammer out this schedule and figure out all the kinks. For him, for all you lovely listeners, have a great, beautiful weekend. And we'll talk to you sometime next week.